And you are listening to Germantown Community Radio, 92.9 FM, WGGT-LP, Philadelphia, and online at gtownradio.com. And welcome to the InfoHub Hour with your host, Rashid. Good evening and happy last airing of Black History Month to all of our neighbors and listeners coming to you live here from the 215 in Germantown. You are listening to the award-winning InfoHub Hour with Rashida Jamu, a.k.a. Philly's Freedom Joined. My regular co-host, Maleka Fruin, will not be with us tonight, but we will hear from her next week. And additionally, though we promoted that historic Germantown's Director of Community Outreach and Programs, Monica O. Montgomery, would be with us tonight. She was not able to make it tonight due to personal matters, but we hope to hear from her within the month or so. So tonight's show will be a bit shorter than usual, but onward. Now let's get started with our show. In the past year or so, it has been hard to turn a blind eye to the violence that has plagued our city. And while different people may have different opinions as to where that may stem from, the result is always the same. Somebody loses and somebody might lose their life. And sadly, while there are efforts from different folks and community groups to help hinder this epidemic, the number of crimes continue to climb. In fact, in 2022, we are now at a 1% increase in the homicide rate compared to 2021 around this time. And while preventing harm and crime is very important and very much needed work in all communities, not just Germantown, but all communities, it's important to examine and question what can be done to aid the victims of a crime after an interaction? Where do victims turn for support after an encounter because there are lasting effects of such situations? So with that being expressed, we are welcoming representatives from the Pennsylvania Commonwealth Office of the Victim Advocate to speak about their services, programs, and functions for Germantown neighbors and any other Philadelphians. So let's welcome victim advocate Susanna Estrella and Philadelphia representative Annie Carlin. Hello, 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 and welcome to the Germantown Info Hub Radio Hour. How are you both doing today? Thank you so much, Rashid. I'm doing well. Thank you for that warm welcome. Yes, Rashid. Thank you for having us today. I'm doing well. Absolutely. Love to hear that. So just give us a little bit of background and tell us about yourselves as individuals, not the office. Okay, I'll start off. Uh, my name is Suzanne Estrella, and I um, was appointed by the governor to serve as the Commonwealth Victim Advocate uh, last March, so almost a year. I was confirmed by the Senate in June, so I have a, a six-year term that I'll serve. I am an attorney by trade and have been practicing law for uh, over 20 years, um, all primarily in victim services, uh, representing survivors of domestic violence and sexual assault. I am actually a native Philadelphian. I was born in Philadelphia. Um, my family still has uh, deep roots there. I actually spent uh, a couple of years at Germantown Friends School uh, in, in your area there. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I have a love for Philadelphia. The Reading Terminal is still one of my all-time <laughs> favorite places. Um, but And I'm, I'm married. I have four adult children and two grandchildren. So it's a little bit about me. Uh, so I am Annie Carlin, and I am our victim assistance coordinator, one of our lovely team, and I support the Philadelphia County. Um, like Suzanne, I've been here about a year, 
but my background is also in victim services. I used to work at Women Against Abuse, which I'm sure many people are familiar with, and my background is mainly in domestic violence. I am not a Philadelphia native, so nobody get angry and turn off the show. I'm from St. Louis, so I came up here, I fell in love with the city, and haven't left, so Philadelphia's charm definitely took me in, and I've been here for about 10 years. We'd love to hear that magic that Philadelphia possesses. Thank you for that background, ladies. I really appreciate that. Now, the Office of the Victim Advocate is not a new thing, though some folks may not necessarily know that. Um, so do one of you just want to give a little background on how it started and what the purpose of the office is? Okay, I can tell you our, our purpose, and it is defined by Pennsylvania statute. Our purpose is to advocate for the rights and needs of all crime survivors individually and collectively. And then uh, we have a staff of about uh, 30 victim assistance coordinators. And some of them are assigned to certain regions throughout the Commonwealth to assist survivors. We primarily have three different avenues that we try to provide assistance and that's through victim services, crime prevention and restorative justice. Uh, we are very, very big on collaboration. Um, it is my belief that local community leaders are in the best position to speak to what's happening in a particular community. And we try to um, bring light to what's happening across the Commonwealth in various communities and see what we can do to support efforts that are already there. We often, when we find good programs, we will promote that in other areas of the Commonwealth, where sometimes people are asking, hey, what can we do about this or that? And we'll make those connections between people. When we have um, uh, survivors of crime register with our office to receive services on notification about when their offender is sentenced to a state correctional institution and they want to know when that person moves here or there or when they're going to get out, they receive notifications for us. A big part of that is then us referring them back to what's happening in their local community as to where they can get some services to help them um, on their path to justice and, and hope and healing. Uh, in a nutshell, what we do is help people navigate through the justice system because it's just it's a very difficult system. And when you're already facing trauma, it just becomes that much more difficult. So um, but we're here to help people navigate through that system. Any anything you want to add? Yes. So just to echo what Suzanne said, we are here for victims individually and collectively. Um, I work locally with our Philadelphia survivors. So for notifications for parole testimony, if a survivor wants to be a part of that process, I support them through that. And a big part, like Suzanne said, is our collaboration. So I work really closely with the district attorney's office, local agencies. I'm a part of our PCVA, the Philadelphia Coalition for Victim Advocacy, and it's a member organization that has a lot of local uh, organizations like the Anti-Violence Partnership of Philadelphia, Congresso, Philadelphia Legal Assistant, Senior Law Center. So we really try to focus on all, all different parts of the community and support them together. Thank you both for that. And Suzanne, you actually mentioned restorative justice programs. And so can you just define what restorative justice is for listeners who may not necessarily be privy to that term? Sure. Uh, restorative justice is a concept 
where when it's necessary, both the uh, offender and those who have been affected by the wrongdoing are asked to kind of speak into what's happened and um, promote accountability and healing by addressing the issue, not just in terms of punishment, but what can, how can we resolve this to make the person feel like they've been made whole? So that looks differently in various different types of crimes. There are some situations where that type of meeting is not appropriate at all. Um, often amongst our juvenile offenders, we see lots of efforts uh, on restorative justice because uh, just the people are so young and we want them to have that opportunity to make a second chance or to have a second chance. So we do, our office does training on restorative justice. Um, we're involved with some programs. We have some programs. Um, one is called our Victim Offender Dialogue Program, where, and these are all at the, the victim's request. The victim will request that they want to um, kind of have a sit down with the offender and come to some type of restorative justice approach. So we will facilitate that with preparing the victim for what that may be and what that may not be. And then also we'll have staff members that will speak with the offender to make sure that that person is prepared for what this, you know, what should be said and maybe what not should be said. And are they actually ready to take accountability? And then um, we will have those kind of facilitated meetings where people have an opportunity to discuss that. And hopefully that is for some people that creates a pathway to healing for them. We also have what we call an inmate apology bank where, um, and that we kind of address two inmates where they have the opportunity to take accountability and write a letter expressing an apology. But if just because they submit the letter does not mean that the victim will receive it. The victim that has the option to decide they want to receive the letter or they don't. But um, we do promote that service in all of the state institutions and um, have recently done a video talking about why that's important and really saw a big increase in the number of inmates who have started writing letters and wanting um, to make that apology. So we feel like these are sometimes small steps, but important steps when we talk about community healing, because um, the majority of people who are incarcerated are going to get out on some type of parole. So whatever we can do to kind of make reentry efforts more positive, to reduce recidivism, which reduces, you know, is, is a crime prevention mechanism. So it's, that's really important to us. And why do you think that that framework in general is just so important in supporting victims and survivors, but not even just them, but as you said, also offenders after a crime encounter? I think it's really important. I think as you mentioned in the introduction, what we're seeing now is that that crime is becoming so community impactful. It's not just one or two people that are um, impacted by what's happening, but you're talking about community trauma now. So we have to find steps toward community healing. And sometimes that means making space for more people to come to the table to discuss what the wrong was and what that outcome should be to bring healing. I know, um, and I mean, it kind of still haunts me, but when the woman was um, sexually assaulted in the Macy's department store, I no longer will use the restroom 
in a department store because of that. I mean, every time I think I have to go to the bathroom, I'm like, all right, I'm going home because I'm definitely not going in the bathroom. That is a community trauma. So finding ways to kind of deal with this and just coming to terms with the fact, hey, this is everybody's problem. This is not like the bad person or this. No, this is, we are so intertwined and collectively a part of one another that we have to begin to address it on a much larger scale so that we can come up with uh, sustainable healing options where everybody gets a chance to thrive because so many incarcerated offenders are also victims. So finding ways to address that, to bring that healing is just going to, it's a win-win for all of us as members of the same community. I really do appreciate you framing that idea that sometimes offenders are also victims. And so there's a cycle of that. Um, So thank you for that and raising that up specifically. And then Annie, is there something that you, you may, you know, you may want to add to that or that you have your own idea around? Yeah. So, excuse me. So I think what Suzanne said is working on that community healing. And that's where I think that collaboration with these local victim service agencies is so important. Um, A lot of these agencies have different aspects that they take care of. So whether it be counseling, um, education in schools, different things like that, we kind of all have to work together and look at this as a community effort and not just focus on like what one small organization does. We all have to work together to create this healing the prevention and supporting Philadelphia. Thank you all. And so what have people said who have been through these programs and you know about how it supported them? We get get people emailing in quite a bit um, where they've um, just, and and we we have this, this model at the office where we celebrate the wins. So anytime somebody writes back in saying like, oh, the advocate that was with me when I gave my comment before the parole board just made me feel strong, then, hey, we're celebrating that. So we hear people um, just, uh, sometimes people don't even know that they have the right to make a comment. So victims have certain rights according to the statute and often they don't know. So one of those rights is that you have a right to, if if your offender comes up for parole, you have a right to give comment to the parole board before they make a decision. And then we will help victims prepare to give that comment. So often we hear uh, from victims that they are, you know, they're glad that they got to participate in the process. Now it's difficult for for some people. It brings back all of, you know, what they went through at the time. But um, more often than not, we hear people just expressing gratitude that they got to be a part of the process. People want to be heard. Victims want to be heard. So um, doing what we can to give them voice and to um, let them know that what they have to say is important, that they are an important part of the process, we get a lot of positive feedback on that. One of the things that I did see on the website that I was really interested in was the Resilient Voices program. Can you just speak a little bit about that for our neighbors? Because that for me was definitely one that was interesting. Um, because of the purpose. Annie, you want to speak to that? Yes. Resilient Voices is one of my favorite programs that we have in our office. And I think something special about it is that if you've never interacted with the criminal justice system, you can still be a part of Resilient Voices. So we invite survivors to come speak and share their experience 
Um, they can sometimes speak at universities, speak in prisons, speak at community-based events. And from what I've seen, it is such a great, great process for people to use their story in a way that's healing for them and healing for others. Um, we get to meet as an office when people are going through kind of their practice process and we get to hear their story and give them feedback and have one of my favorite hours that we do. We all meet together. We hear someone share their story and we just get to talk to people um, because this is it's crime is it's very personal. And when people want to share it and they want to heal that way, we're here to listen and we're here to share their story in a way that's beneficial for them. Yeah. We do a lot of, of training to service providers, whether it be uh, probation officers, parole officers, and just other service providers. And we often invite a Resilient Voices speaker to be a part of the training. And it's usually the element of the training that gets the highest ratings, that people find it so impactful to hear it from that person's point of view. So they've been a real blessing to our office to be able to work with survivors in this way is, is awesome. Yeah. And the reason why I had brought that up is because, so Germantown Info Hub is actually a solutions journalism project. So we approach journalism a little bit differently than um, traditional journalists. So we're a little bit less extractive and we don't practice all the same measures. And so what me and my co-host Maleka, we always talk about is how, we use this as our journalism as like care work. And that's what that kind of reminded me of. Always making sure that you're aware of your surroundings and who you're talking to and how certain things and certain topics can be very triggering for folks. So I really appreciated that. And that's really why I wanted y'all to kind of expand on that. Yeah. Um, and so how would a neighbor go about getting these services? Are they referred from like somewhere else or can folks just contact the office directly after like a crime encounter? Both. <laughs> yes. And in Philadelphia, um, like I said, I'm our Philadelphia advocate. So I would encourage people to reach out, reach out to your local social service agency. If you're involved with a case at the district attorney's office, let them know. Just say, I want to speak to OVA. I want to speak to Annie. Um, and you can also get our information on our website, um, which is ova.pa.gov. So we encourage you, anybody to reach out. We are here for you and we're here to support you. Uh -huh. Often we can get, sometimes we get direct referrals from um, the county district attorney's office once a case is concluded and the person has a state sentence. Then we may get a direct referral and we'll reach out to that person and ask them, do they want to become a registered victim with our office? But um, there's no requirement that the person wait for that to happen at any time. Someone can reach out and say they want to be a part of something that we're doing or they want to register with us or anything like that. Thank you. And is there anything else that either of you just want to share? Just want to say that, you know, we appreciate the opportunity. And like I said, we are we're all about collaboration and we want to find ways to uplift what's happening on the local level. Um, we have a newsletter that we send out. We, um, we have recognized that sometimes some of the smaller community groups are not uh, aware of the state funding announcements when they come out. So we are trying to be intentional about getting that information out, that there's opportunities to provide for, to apply for state and federal funding so that people know, so that um, more of the, the local groups can kind of um, get in that inner circle 
and build those programs that we feel are going to be most helpful in um, stopping this, the crime and particularly gun violence as we're seeing it in some of our local communities. Great. Well, I really thank you both for being here with us today and speaking to our neighbors about this. The information that was provided was very helpful and it was definitely helped to expand our ideas of what other community solutions can look like after such an event. So I really want to thank you both. You're welcome. It was nice to meet you. Great to be here. Thank yes, you. Thank you so much. And well, Germantown, it is about that time. And if you have a story that you want to hear covered, please contact us at gtown.infohub at gmail.com. Or you can text infohub to 73224 to start asking us questions. And additionally, we encourage our listeners to text the Equally Informed Philadelphia text line, another program under Resolve Philly, which allows Philadelphians to gain access to information regarding to the COVID-19 pandemic. Their team works to bridge the information divide, reducing barriers for vulnerable residents who need trustworthy information to live and thrive in Philadelphia. They also invest deeply in underestimated voices and community storytellers. Equally Informed provides a community-driven print newsletter and equal info line of free bilingual English and Spanish question to answer texting service that also provides vetted local news and resources to subscribers. And to start asking questions, you can text equal info to 73224. And that is about it. Remember, I am Rashida Jamu, the reporter for the Germantown Info Hub and Philadelphia's Freedom Join. Thank you to our guests again for joining us. And thank you to our neighbors for listening and engaging as always. And until next week, good night, Germantown.